Thank you. My name is Corliss L. And my phone number is 323-514-3335. Please text first and identify yourself. And I am a compulsive overeater. I'm grateful to be here tonight and to share my story and my experience, strength, and hope. And thank you for asking me to participate tonight. Um, Before I start, I'd like to begin with this prayer that I credit to Danielle G. from Toronto. God, fill my mouth with all your stuff and shut it when I've said enough. Amen. Um, Tonight I'm with you at this 100-pounders meeting, and I want to state that according to our traditions, and in particular Tradition uh, 10, OA has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. And I say this because personally, because I may mention um, other programs or methods in my struggle to recovery, and uh, many people have many different ideas about things like uh, weight loss surgery and things like that in its place in OA. Um, First of all, I have to say I am nervous to share at this meeting. I've not done a phone meeting like this before, and so I'm just kind of uh, trepidatious. Um, and the meeting that I uh, I attended and t- when I restarted my abstinence was a 100-pounders meeting. And so 100-pounders meetings are very uh, important to me. I'm going to qualify in the beginning, but there's a lot that goes along to this and a lot of uh, explanation that goes along with my story. I actually came into O'Readers Anonymous, I think it was like 1980, Um, but I have uh, currently um, four years of abstinence. Um, I came into the program less than 100 pounds or uh, needing to lose 100 pounds, maybe 100 pounds, right at 100 pounds. And my current um, weight loss that I um, hold is um, 210 pounds. So there's a lot that goes into that story. So what it was like, what happened to change me and what it's like now. What it was like is that I have been a compulsive reader for as long as I can remember. It's like which of those came first, was it the chicken or the egg? And for me, um, it wasn't about which came first, the food. It was about the emotions, but the food is what made the emotions bearable. I ate to change my reality. Uh, My experiences growing up, food was my escape from reality. And as I got older, I used all the other coping mechanisms that you get. You know, food was what you get when you're a kid. Um, Then I later on turned to drugs and alcohol. Um, As an adult child of alcoholics and all that goes with it, my father died young. He was buried in an outside coffin from the ravages of our disease and depression. My mom was depressed, but in the 50s, I'm a child of the 50s, and then especially in my ethnic community, you didn't talk about these things. So she drank. And um, later on, I was sent to live with my aunt, um, feeling unloved because I had been given away. And that was another reason to eat. So, Because what, what was wrong with me that my own parents would give me away? 
I was chubby growing up, but I was not obese. As I look back at the pictures, I was not a bad-looking kid. I wasn't, like, really fat, but I felt horrible. And back in those days, people made you feel horrible about um, holding extra weight. I wasn't a socially acceptable size, so I had to shop in the chubby section, not in the kid section then. So I shopped in the chubby section, and finally I was in the in the women's section. So um, I wasn't very fashionable as a child, but I sure looked great as a, a well-dressed woman um, <laughs> uh, at that age. Um, I was told that no one will want you fat. And then once when I was in middle school, I heard a girl, this girl named Carolyn, I will never forget it. She said, if I was that fat, I would kill myself. And she didn't know that I was slowly dying. Um, when I went away to college, I gained 60 pounds in my freshman year. I was so depressed. And um, later on, as I, after I graduated and I became a teacher, I would buy snacks from the kids. And, um, and, and then one day, um, there was this kid named Demetrius. I'll never remember, forget. He was like, teacher, you eating up all the cookies. And I turned and I looked and I'm like, shut up. I bought all these cookies. You know, um, like I said, I came into OA in 80 at 282 pounds. I don't remember much about it except that I sat in the back. I remember um, I am in Los Angeles and um, I was at the church over on Olympic. I can't remember the name of it now, the Episcopal Church. And I just sat in the back and I cried a lot. Um, back in those days, there wasn't a lot of diversity. Um, I was young and black, and the people that I saw in that meeting that I went to were just the opposite of that. But what I related to and what made me keep coming back at that time was the emotions that we shared surrounding our use of food. That was my common ground. And I would come back. But what wasn't happening was that I wasn't working a program, even though I lost some weight. Um, the next year, um, after I had lost weight, I had heard about when I was in OA, I heard about this program called the Care Unit Hospital Treatment Program, and I went into it in June of 82. And it was about working the steps. But basically what it was was it was the How Food Plan. And so for almost 10 years of perfect abstinence, I worked that How Food Plan, and that's where my abstinence was. That's what my recovery was, was working that food plan. I did service. I was speaking. I was doing retreats. I was sponsoring. I lost 100 pounds. But for that time, my recovery was the food plan, not the steps, not trying to change inside out. So, like, during that time, life happened. Life kept going on. Um, I, got, I met a guy in program. I got married. I had a baby. I tried to continue in that, um, that how perfect abstinent food plan way. But when I couldn't sustain that perfect food plan, I was embarrassed and ashamed. And I gradually moved away from the program. I never left entirely, but I uh, didn't attend as many meetings. Um, I didn't do the things. I didn't call my sponsor, any of those things. Um, and this is a progressive illness. Um, that 100 pounds that I had lost, I gradually gained it back. And then over the next 20 years, I gained another 100 pounds on top of that. So my top recorded weight was 425 pounds. Um, all those things that I hadn't experienced yet when I came into the program, all those yet, I had to go through all those things after I came to the program, the shame of breaking chairs and breaking toilets at people's houses, the shame of putting my life in jeopardy and trying to ride rides at, you know, on airlines and amusement parks and hiding the fact that I couldn't fasten the seatbelt. 
try to go through turnstiles, you know, judging whether I was going to make it or not. I, I don't know if anybody can relate to that. Um, I, I would just have to, uh, at one point, I got so big, there were no scales back in those days that would weigh me. And I had to go to the post office. And I had to go around to the back to the freight scales and weigh. Um, I was a volume eater, and that got me the 200-plus pound weight gain. And that weight gain, that 200 pounds, was the armor that I wore around me. Um, it was what kept the reality away from me of all the things that were going on in my life. And I knew that I was dying. And I knew that I wouldn't be here for my son. So after a lot of dilemma, and I had tried everything in my periods of time before program and after program, I had all the weigh and pace. I had the shots, the pills. I had the cream. I did the exercise. I did thin fin. I did AIDS. I did the weight loss candy. Um, I had when I was a kid. I would have to go to the nurse's office and weigh as a grade school child. And so in two um, two thousand and six, I decided that I would have the bariatric surgery. Um, and I lost a hundred pounds for the third time. And then later on, I had a revision in twenty seventeen. But bariatric surgery wasn't what the answer was, and that wasn't what helped me to uh, lose the weight again. What helped me was the program of Overeaters Anonymous. And what keeps it off today is the program of Overeaters Anonymous. So what it's like now, um, there's a quote, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. So food is a symptom. It's an inside job. I came back into the program of, in May of 2019, because for that entire uh, 20 years that I was in and out, I had friends from the program that loved me and they would invite me back and I would be a part of the birthday party and celebrations and special events. And then in 2019, I was grazing. And grazing was a habit that I had picked up as a result of the bariatric surgery and not being able to eat a lot at one time. I was eating all day and all night and I was gaining again. And I was desperate to stop and somehow I didn't feel that I had the ability to lose another 100 pounds. And I had been invited back to the Thursday night meeting of, uh, on Zoom. Um, no, it wasn't on Zoom. Then. Uh, it was still in person to the 100-pounder uh, meeting um, on the Thursday night meeting in Los Angeles in Westchester because my old sponsor was back in town, and she was celebrating over 40 years, and she was speaking at the meeting. So that night, <coughs> excuse me, that night I was struck with the gift of abstinence. Um, now, believe me, that road has narrowed from when I first came back in four years ago. But what kept me at this time are the steps and the tools. <coughs> excuse me. I make a lot of meetings. I read literature. I make phone calls. I have an action plan and a food plan, but my food plan is not my abstinence like it used to be. I sponsor, I write, I do service when asked to at all levels. And I want to thank my sponsors that guide me and gently remind me and point me to recovery. Um, I've said before, people have heard me say that it takes a lot of people to keep me on the planet. I have my sponsors. I also have therapists and psychiatrists and loving friends and all of you fellows. And I'm grateful for every bite that I took. I'm grateful for every pound that I gained. 
because it kept me on the planet long enough to get back into recovery. And so today I wear the scars of my disease. I have the sagging skin. I have the bulging areas. Um, but the big book talks about contempt prior to, to investigation. And for me, I have to believe that God exists and that he will lead me through my life and through my recovery. Um, I know that for me, um, I have to keep coming back. There are times this last couple of weeks, this last month, it was like really hard. There was so much going on. I'm caretaker for my husband. I have a, a son who has mental illness um, and just dealing with all of that. And I know that in all of that, going back out and compulsively overeating again is not going to change anything. It's not going to make it any better. It's not going to help my husband to get any better or to walk and for me not to have to wait on him hand and foot. It's not going to make my son um, suddenly come into uh, right thinking. None of that is going to change by eating. But what will change if I eat is that I will lose what I have. I will lose the strength that I've gained. I will lose the support that I've gained. I will lose the help that I've gained in this program that helps me to get through all of that. It's not easy. It's not simple. But I know that those are the things that I have to do. Um, I know that in this, I have to accept what's going on. Um, today's the white book that we read the, uh, for today. It was talking about, you know, just the acceptance that we have to have. And I know that for me, I have to accept that this program is what's saving my life. I had a fellow that was walking this journey with me, and I had actually called them um, recently to say, hey, I need you to speak at a meeting because one of the jobs I do is, is speaker getter. And they told me I can't do it because I have uh, broken my abstinence. I've been compulsively overeating. I've been in the food. That struck me sober again because it helped me to remember this is a disease. The last month or so, I was kind of like complacent, like thinking about, you know, cause, because it's, it hasn't been like difficult. But I had to call my sponsor. I had to write about it. I had to make phone calls about it because this gift can go at any second. And what I've had to learn is what it talks about in step 10. I have to do the things that I did yesterday. I have to do the things today that I did yesterday in order to five have my action. gentle reminder. Okay. Five minutes more? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, I have to do the things that I did uh, yesterday in order to have my abstinence for tomorrow. So, you know, I, I've had a lot of things that have happened in this program, but I've gotten a lot of gifts from this program. And I know that um, if I keep coming back, I will continue to get the gifts and I'll continue to have the things that I need in my life. And so um, I just want to leave you with, if you be new, keep coming back. Try to give up on the self-made suffering that we do. 
um, try to give up on the compulsion to just suffer through. Get a sponsor. Use the tools. Get whatever help you need in life that will help you to live. If you need extra therapy, get it. Get a sponsor, you know. Um, talk to fellows. Just do the things that you need to do that will help you to get there. And then after that, just know and accept the fact that it's going to come in its own time. Don't berate yourself because, it, you know, you're not abstinent on demand or that your abstinence doesn't look like somebody else's. Because that's what brought me out. That's what kept me out a long time um, when I was trying to do it perfectly and, and do it that, that way uh, following that food plan. The fact that my program didn't look like somebody else's. And so today my food plan and my abstinence is my food plan and my abstinence. Um, it talks about on January the 6th in the white book that when life as it is really is becomes a fact that I accept as naturally as I believe, as I breathe, events lose their power to throw me off balance or disturb my basic rhythm of life. I need only to look and see that all things happen in their own time. And so for today, um, I know that it's the beginning of the new year. And we start with resolutions and resolves, but the resolve that I make is to do the same thing I did yesterday so that I can do it so that I can have my abstinence tomorrow. And so um, if you be new, please keep coming back. If you be new, do what you need to do to keep coming back and the wonderful things that these fellows talk about can be yours to keep coming back. You're worth it. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos, for um, sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us. Um, did you leave your contact information? Do you want it on or off the recording? It can be on. I said it at the beginning, but I'll say it again. It's my name. Corliss L C O R L I S initial L phone number three two three five one four three 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 five. Please text first and identify yourself. And um, this is Pacific Standard Time. Thank you for sharing again. And before you go, would you like to suggest a topic for this evening? My topic, I guess, for today is as uh, as usual, acceptance that it comes in its own time. 